This is your Other Brothers Podcast. Welcome, friends, to your other brother's podcast, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the jewel of the Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge, the jewel of the Blue Ridge, that's Asheville, North Carolina, for all of the newbies in our midst. My name is Tom, and we are so glad that you are here. Joining us today from the city of Oaks, it's our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hello, not much. Good to see you, Tom. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. City of Oaks is Raleigh, North Carolina, for all the mm-hmm. newbies in our midst. And joining us from the city of Forts, that's Fort Wayne, I think. It's our brother Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hello, gentlemen. It is good to be with you both. I didn't want the listeners to be confused. You are not in Fort Worth or um, Fort Collins or Fort, what are the Correct. other forts? There's a lot of, but you are the city of Forts. Let's be clear. <laughs> yes, the city of forts. I mean, I don't think that those those other cities have an actual fort, and we have a real life fort. So it's true. I've been there. It's quite magnificent. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Especially the women dressed in 18th century garb who inhabit mm. said fort. Yep, that's quite something yep. to see. Yes, um, y'all. It's good to literally hear your voices for all the listeners who didn't have the pleasure of joining us for the 35 minutes that we've been trying to get this podcast off the ground. <laughs> It's like it's like I've never recorded a podcast before because for some reason, I swear, we could not get this recording to get going. And I couldn't hear them, and they couldn't hear each other, and then they could hear each other, but I couldn't hear them. And and we had lots of computers restarting and programs redoing, and, and now finally, you guys, here we are. It was a, a prolonged saga of incompetence, and I can happily say <laughs> that uh, none of it turned out to be me. Mm. Yes, yeah. I will take complete blame for this. I have no idea what was going on on my end, but I pushed enough buttons to finally be able to hear my dear brothers from all over the country. And uh, Lord willing, we will make it to the end of this episode, getting all the kinks worked out pre-recording. So let's let's all pray. Although listeners, feel no need to pray because if you're hearing this now, it's already happened. It's done. <laughs> so don't pray for us in the past. Maybe pray for the future recordings that this will not happen mm. again because it's mm. been a bit of a frustrating start. But I'm excited, you guys, now that we're finally off the ground and running, um, I'm excited to talk about manliness with y'all because this, I feel like, is a corner. This is like our bread and butter content when we talk about masculinity. It's one of the big things we talk about. Um, and there's a subtle nuance there with with manliness. We're going to kind of talk about um, what this word means and, and the feelings, the emotions, the memories that it evokes. Um, I'm excited to get into all of that with all of you guys. But this is really fun because this is one of our classic episodes. And uh, we recorded this episode back in the day. And so it's fun to redo it with you guys new perspectives, new stories. And so I can't wait to hear what manliness means to you. Because after all, (laughs) I had this in my notes, because after all, manliness is next to cleanliness. So there there you have it. (laughs) 
Wow. It just That's not true. I at just all. thought about I, it and it's just like that sounds funny. Let's put that in there. <laughs> I need to share that news with some guys I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's not a bigger turnoff in the world than an unkempt man. But we'll get to that <laughs> later in the show. Unkempt? Unkempt. What's, what's kempt? What's kempt, Tom? Kempt means put together, Clark clean, kempt. organized. Oh, okay. Basically the opposite of my hair because I haven't gotten a haircut since February. So that's hmm. that's kind of where I'm at right now. Living the Excellent. shaggy life. But anyway, you guys, happy fall. We're recording this. Happy yes. fall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, wow, I guess they don't want to wish that upon me in return. Okay, fine. And also with you. <laughs> Thank you. It's I the was, first day of fall as we're recording. Yeah, I was just struck by I was struck uh, uh, wordless by the <laughs> just the the excitement of fall. I just didn't know what to first. <laughs> right. See, I'm trying. I'm struggling. I feel like we've lost a lot of momentum from all of the tech snafus that we've had, and so I'm trying to stir the conversation and get <laughs> so the things going. So I said, "Happy fall," shocked. and nothing, no, no, nothing in response. But that's fine. We'll just keep on. Going. Oh no, no, I have a, I, I have a thing. Yes, I, I too was so overwhelmed by the beauty and the joy of fall that I didn't have words mm. in which to mm. share. But we cannot talk about fall without bringing up the infamous pumpkin spice latte. Um, oh, I'm and so I would like to know um, where y'all's heart, what happens to your heart when you hear those words? Ryan, you go first because I have a lot to say. Yeah, I drink exactly one pumpkin spice latte per year and I, mm-hmm. I drank it uh, this past weekend. Oh, so your allotment is up. Beautiful. Yep. And, and it's, it's, it's less than allotment and just like I have one and then I think, you know, this that was very sweet and it was good, <laughs> but I don't need another one <laughs> need for a while. So You know, okay, so I'm glad you brought this up, Jacob, and thank you for sharing, Ryan, because I'm similar to where you are. I'm, I used to be maybe two or three years ago, I was of the same accord. I would be like, you know what, I'm going to have my one PSL. Um because, you know, I just want to, I'm not a Debbie Downer. I'm going to enjoy the season. And this is what the kids are drinking and the adults <laughs> too. So I'm going to drink one and force myself to like it and just be, you know, as autumnal as possible. And uh, I finally realized, you know what? This drink is awful. This is not good. This is not a great thing. Mm. And furthermore, I tweeted this recently to much controversy but i stand by it i don't think anyone actually <laughs> likes pumpkin at all not even pumpkin spice lattes but just the vegetable pumpkin i don't think people enjoy it and we're all pretending we all like you know it's a picture it's a picturesque scene if you go to a pumpkin patch and it's fun to carve pumpkins like i'm all for that i'm all for like the 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 visual of pumpkins but when you start putting pumpkin in my mouth it just Never has really been pleasant. Even pumpkin pie, which is a lot of people's favorite pie or ranks up there in people's favorite pies. It's only really good if you douse it in whipped cream, in my opinion. And so I just, I don't think people, I'm, this, is a, this is a hot take and this is a bold claim, but I'm just saying that I don't think we actually enjoy pumpkin as much as we think we do. And so that's, that's all I'm going to say. I'm done. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that we enjoy the flavors of of cinnamon, clove, and nutmeg because they taste and smell like fall. Mm. But because it's like, it's not good 
good marketing to like list off the actual flavors that we enjoy to make a latte. So we, we have, we have now come to think about uh, pumpkin because of pumpkin pie, where the point is that you hide all flavor of pumpkin. We have now um, just labeled those uh, spices as, oh yeah, this is pumpkin flavor, even though you were right. It's not actually the taste of pumpkin. People don't eat pumpkin. Could you imagine people just shoveling, just like breaking open a pumpkin and just shoveling that stuff into their mouth? Could mm. you imagine? Can you imagine the world if you that go would to, be? Uh, if you go to a Japanese restaurant or in Japan, they have um, pumpkin tempura and that's actually very good. Mm. So I no, will. You did. You I will jump in here with a little, a little Ryan. multicultural uh, <laughs> education here. No, Ryan, people you miss, do like pumpkin, you and they do me. eat pumpkin. Nobody for likes pumpkin. pumpkin. Anyway, mm. we're gonna move on. No, I just prefer. I much prefer the apple slash cider side of autumn way more. I much prefer that to mm-hmm, the sure. pumpkiny side. I'll take, but I'll also take apples a, and cider like, any day. It's an incredibly human thing to where we love things that are only available for mm-hmm. like short seasons. Like we we have access, I'm pretty sure, perhaps this isn't true. We have access to drink eggnog any uh, time of year. But we, that's but we don't because we only we only like things. No, in I these would drink a windows cold of glass of eggnog you, in June anytime. But, I would do that. But you haven't, Tom. The thing is that you haven't done that. Because it's not been that. available. Hence, proving my point. You, if you worked hard, you could find it and you could get could it. Could I? Yeah. Listeners, Absolutely. can you send me links to companies that sell Listeners. eggnog <laughs> year-round? Because if I could have summer Prove eggnog, that would Tom be incredible. I don't know where uh, that is I, Yeah, possible. I would like, um, if, if anyone is going to know the answer to that is going to be my brother. So Nate, if you're listening, I would love you hey, to do, I'd Nate, like you to prove Call the Yob line at 706-389-8009. Yes. <laughs> Tell me eggnog. where to find eggnog in July because that would hit the spot. Ooh. I don't know. I just thought possible. of something. In Australia, do they have eggnog in July oh, or around Christmas? Because their seasons are flipped. So maybe, yeah, maybe there's like a Southern Hemisphere location where I can order eggnog year round. And of course I'll have to pay a premium price for shipping and mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But I think it isn't, it. it isn't a, a hot drink. So it isn't like it makes sense for us to only have it in the winter or when it's, it's cold outside. But it's so like heavy and rich that even though it's cold, like you would never think uh, like, I'm pretty sure you eat heavy and rich uh, frozen milk in the, 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 the summertime and you love that. Yeah called ice cream that was oh ice cream trying to be sneaky <laughs> what what's code are you speaking right now um anyway listeners let us know what you think about pumpkin and about eggnog these polarizing flavor sensations that are only available for a limited time um i'd love to hear where where all of you guys stand so the reason I, one of the reasons why I implore Jacob's brother to call the Yob line or listeners to call the Yob line about your feelings on what we just talked about, about fall, um, is because you guys, it's so sad. We did not have any new voicemails this episode. And we've been on a mm-hmm. roll with some really great voicemails. You know, there was one I thought about playing because we had Facebook Live this past week in our secret Facebook group for our patrons. And as part of the live broadcast, one of my co-hosts 
because I was mentioning the Yab line and how I want our members to like get more excited about it and to call. And so he actually plugged it into his phone and called the Yab line on the broadcast and said, hey, and he introduced himself. This is my name and I'm here with Tom and I'm here. We had actually had two other, three other guys actually on the call at the same time. Um, And it was just a jokey little 15 second thing that he called the number live on the broadcast. But I was like, I can't play that. There's like, there's no content there. Mm -hmm. Like I just described, I just (laughs) described it to you. That was it. That was the call. So um, there really wasn't much content there. That was the singular call though from the week. So, um, so aside from that, there were a lot of crickets, but, um, but yeah, there's, we've had some great calls lately though. So I encourage everyone to call. Um, It's always fun. It's always fun to hear your voices from all over the world. But something that we did get you guys that I'm really excited about is an Apple podcast review. And you guys, guess what? Who is it? Is it, is it, <laughs> is it Jacob's mom? No, <laughs> no, it's nobody that you would know. Um, you guys, it's a critical review. We need a oh. sound effect. We need a sound effect for critical review. Um, <laughs> no, this is good because I love critical reviews because I love defending my honor. I love def- I love defending this little show. Um, but no, I just want to talk about because it, it actually hits on some things that I've brought up in the past, and so I'm really grateful for the chance to address it. But this was a three-star review, and I'm grateful for all the stars we can get. You know, three stars is better than two stars, right? <laughs> so there's that. Um, mm-hmm. So special thanks to this particular reviewer. Um, I wanted to just bring up the first part of his review. He was talking about how he enjoys the podcast for the topics, um, but the indulgent introductions, fake sponsors, etc., are distracting. I find myself zoning out, just waiting for the actual topic to begin. Some banter and a little off-topic stuff can make a podcast feel human, but too much is too much. To which I say, do you need to listen mm. to our conversation about eggnog and pumpkin pie again? Because that was good stuff. That was great conversation. Um, no, here's what I want to say about that, because this is something that has come up multiple times in messages and emails, that some people just want us to talk about the topic straight away. Um But then on the flip side, so many people are like, we want the podcast to be twice as long and we want you guys to talk more because we feel like we're one of your friends and we're sitting on the living room couch in the same room as you guys and we would love for the podcast to be longer. And so what do you do with that feedback? Because inevitably you're letting down somebody or you're disappointing somebody, right? There's always somebody you're you're not going to please. And here's my solution to that, which this particular person may not be aware of, but I've mentioned it a couple times on the show that our podcast is now chaptered. And so if you use the particular app, I don't think Apple Podcasts has gotten down with this yet. Maybe they have. I don't know. I don't use Apple Podcasts to listen to my podcast, but, but there are plenty of apps. I use Overcast. That's my favorite one. But plenty of apps now allow you to kind of get into the podcast like framework. Like it's, it's it's sort of like the outline of the podcast and you can click on the chapter of the show that you want to listen to. And so if you don't like listening to us talk, which I can't, I can't imagine why I am tickled to listen oh, to I can. us talk. <laughs> I love listening to me, Ryan and Jacob talk and the other boys when I have them on. <laughs> but if that's, if you just want to hear us dive right into manliness, you can actually do that. You can click onto the manliness main topic of this episode or any of our episodes uh, in recent memory. And you can just go straight to that part of the show. And so, so yeah, if the beginning part, if the intro part isn't your jam and you just want to hear us talk about the the main topic, you can do that. You can skip right ahead to that. Um, and so hopefully this person who's listening, if you didn't already know that, now you know, you can skip right ahead. Um, 
Although it hurts my feeling. No, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It's fine. No. We have upwards of 37 people who love listening to the intro stuff. And so that's that's great too. Here's the thing what I wanted to say about that though is like if the show was always just like Jacob, Ryan, and I just used, because they're on the show today, if the show is just let's sign on and immediately start talking about manliness, that's not a show that I get particularly excited about. Maybe Ryan and Jacob do, but I like riffing with them. I like getting to kind of chat about what's going on, what's in the news, what are some funny things that have happened in our lives lately. I, I like kind of easing into the episode, and I like just hanging out with my friends. Like, y'all two are some of my favorite people, and the other guys, when they're on, they're also some of my favorite people. So I don't want to just go straight to the heavy duty, serious, gritty stuff. I want to like laugh a little and kind of ease into this. So, so that's the motivation for me is if I'm not having fun on this show, then we are not doing this show essentially. So mm. we need to have fun and make this like an enjoyable experience. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, like hopefully, hopefully with the chaptered format of our podcast now, if, uh, if you just want to get to the meat of it and hear us talk about the serious stuff right away, then you have the option to do that. So thanks for the feedback. I appreciate it. And thanks for taking the time to write and review. Honestly, no, no sarcasm. Um, on the last episode, we we had the um, big announcement that on our Patreon, as part of our Patreon, evolving and changing and growing as we continue to receive support from people all over the world who support this effort. Um, we started this. We launched this brand new feature, this brand new tier. For $15 a month, we are launching a Yob book club, and it starts next month, you guys. And at the time, I wasn't sure what the books were going to be, but so far, um, we've gotten a great response. I think at least four or five people have signed up for this tier, along with the people who are already at that tier as it was. And so my hope is that we'll have at least six, seven, eight, nine, maybe people show up. We'll see. But um, we don't have a date set yet, but for some time in mid-October, um, we're going to have our first ever Yabbers Book Club as part of our Patreon. And we are reading as our first book, The Velvet Rage. Have either of you read this book, The Velvet Rage? No. No, but I got really excited when I saw this. And I haven't signed up yet, Tom, but consider this my sign-up. I'm signing up right now <laughs> live need a sound on the effect. air. Yeah. <laughs> that is um, awesome. Because... I've heard such good things about this book and I, it's, it's been on my short list. Yeah, absolutely. It's been on mine as well. I've heard some good things. I want to read the full title and the author so people are aware because basically you have, as of this recording, and, and this episode will be released in a few days from the recording, you have about a month, maybe three weeks to read the book. And I have yet to start it. So <laughs> everyone, um, some people may have already read it and they're ready to go already. Um, and other people maybe haven't started it yet. And that's totally fine because I haven't started it yet. But here's the title of, here's the complete title. It's by Alan Downs. Um, and the complete title is The Velvet Rage, Overcoming the Pain of Growing Up Gay in a Straight Man's World. And it's a really evocative title. Um, and one of our dear supporters, um, and I've gotten to hang out with him multiple times. He is a trusted voice. I trust him. And he's read this book. He's read literally every book that's ever existed. He's one of those people. Um, he's just read everything. And so he gave me this because he's excited about the book club. I think he's going to show up. We'll see. I'm not going to name names because I don't, I don't want to call him out. But I think he <laughs> implied that he might show up. Um, but he wanted me to pass this along. And I'll probably post this in our Patreon feed for those that are signed up for that tier. Um, but he wanted me to pass along this disclaimer because he said um, he thinks it's a wonderful book, but it might be troubling to some. The book can be explicit for some people. So mm. I'm excited. That description only made me all the more excited <laughs> to dive into this book. Because here's the thing. The book club is either going to be an amazing success. It's, edgy, it's either going to be an amazing success or it's going to be 
just a complete disaster. And I'm so excited to see which one it's going to be because either we're going to have some amazing academic discussion that prompts like, you know, deep, deep dives into, into the text that we're examining. Um, or it's just going to like offend people. The books that we choose are going to offend people or the comments made about the books are going to offend people in just irrevocable ways. And I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's a big <laughs> mystery. We're going to see what happens. So um, wow. pick up this book, keeping in mind that this disclaimer of this disclaimer that from a trusted source. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. And um, if you want to prepare for November and December, we're reading The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nowen in November. And then mm-hmm. we're also reading... Mm-hmm. For Christmas time, I thought it would be appropriate to go to Narnia to go to the least popular of all the Narnia books, which is The Horse and His Boy. And so we're going to read The Horse and His Boy um, in December. And so I'm excited to reread that book because that is a book I have read. I haven't read Nowen's book, um, but that's also been on my short list of books to read. Um, But I just remember this book not really resonating, but I also know that it has resonated with some. And so I'm excited to reread it for the second time. And... um, and maybe it'll challenge my feelings on it from the first time I read it. So we'll see. So it's not like some like side B sleeper hit. It's just someone. Was like, <laughs> That'd be hilarious if it was. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I w- Cause I was like, oh, oh the horse and his boy. Uh, the Yob Book Club? Wow, okay, there must be some, like, <laughs> hidden depth in there. there that I... You know, I'll there be could honest, be. I, I never read it. I never read okay, it. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, there could I'll, be. I don't know. It's, there, it's, I mean, it's, it's about good. a horse and his boy. And so there's a, a strong relationship mm-hmm. there. And so there's, that could create boys, yeah. good discussions. I don't know. We'll see. Uh-huh. It's been a while since I've read it. Um, so my goal with the book club is to, like, you know get a good rotation. And this is a three month trial. So we're doing October, November, December to see how things go basically. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens because I do think it will be good for all my, my sarcasm and humor and da- my dark humor about this could be a disaster. I hope it's not. I hope it is a good um, discussion that people show up, that people read, read the books um, that we are able to have good discussions once a month. Um, Cause I would love to, to keep going into 2021 if there's a good response and good conversation Um and to keep it fresh and keep rotating in books. Cause I, my fear with the book club is I just didn't want to talk about sexuality all the time. Cause that's just so exhausting. Like I don't want to read mm-hmm. homosexuality books every single month. And so, so there's going to be a rotation of like books that are focused on that. And then books that are more faith-based and, and throw in some fiction along with the nonfiction. Like I would really like to keep it um, as diverse as possible rather than just like all of these deep, heavy dives into the waters of sexuality or even masculinity every single month. So um so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with this. This is again, first time. It's the first time for everything. We had to like experiment with all sorts of things with Yob. Like the podcast didn't always exist. Um, videos didn't always exist. The Yob group and retreats didn't always exist. These are all new things that we've tried and a lot of them have succeeded and they continue to happen. And and there are some things that we've tried that will never be again. And I don't need to repeat those on the air, but that's fine. <laughs> um, you learn by doing. And so, or at least I do. And so we're going to do this and see what happens. So if any of that excites you at all, go to patreon.com slash your other bros. If you just want to watch the dumpster fire from up close during these cold winter months um, to keep you warm, then you can also join for that reason as well. But uh, I'm excited. I think it'll be good. I think we have a good mix of people who have signed up so far. Um And before we get to our conversation on manliness, a big shout out to our sponsor for this episode, which is completely serious. I don't know what the reviewer was talking about. (laughs) What did he say? Like irreverent sponsors or something? I forget the adjective that he used. Fake sponsors? I think he said, yeah. I think he said it was like fake. How dare you, sir or madam? (laughs) Um, This is how we 
make a this living. Is how, yeah. How do you think I have the time? This is how we put food on the table. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, we sell out and what? <laughs> for what? And we make bank. We called fake sponsors. <laughs> no, these are real sponsors. Um, thank you to Liars for sponsoring this episode of Your Other Brothers podcast. Not liars as in non-truth tellers, but liars as in the instrument, like oh. the harp, which is quite a manly instrument, might I add, because mm. you, have you guys ever heard of King David? Ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. I heard <laughs> no. he had a secret chord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was on a lyre. That's how he played it. Um, uh. Big shout out to the manliest instrument of all sponsoring this episode of Your Other Brothers podcast on manliness, liars. Which I had to Google, is it pronounced leers or liars? And um, the little lady inside the Google box said liars. So that's what we're going with. Mm, Jacob, you're the most okay. instrumental among us. That's correct, right? That's how that's how she pronounced Maybe. it. Yeah, I, I've heard it multiple ways. I feel like liars is probably correct. Right. I that, and I love that, that it's a homonym of liars. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> My English major sure self is. is like, wow, wordplay. They're going to think I'm talking about people who don't tell the truth, but it's actually not that. I did. It's true. They are not sponsoring this show. Let us be clear. I want that to be clear. And they never will. <laughs> we we always re- recommend the truth in this podcast, mm-hmm. right? I was worried about uh, worried about shady money coming into our... <laughs> no. stream. That was, There's no shadiness here. You're about to have a concerning right. conversation about that. Well, y'all, here we go. We're talking about, so if you fast forward to this part of the show, hello, <laughs> we've been talking about all sorts of fun things and you missed it. You missed it all because you don't want to listen to us banter. Um, we're talking about manliness today. And this is a fond episode. When I think back on our classic episodes, these um, these first batch of episodes we ever did on your other brother's podcast. Um, I have some fond memories of this one because to my knowledge, this was the only podcast that we recorded outdoors. Um, we recorded it in the woods on a camping trip and there is the sound of crickets all around. It was kind of magical actually, like the sound of nature just swallowing up this podcast. You would hear crickets in between people talking. Um, and yeah, it was just a really great recording. And what's weird, you guys, Jacob and Ryan This was so freaky and so unintentional because I actually went camping this weekend by myself in the woods because I went to visit some family um, in East Tennessee. And on the way back, back to Asheville, I was just looking for a place to camp because it was starting to get a little cooler out. And I wanted to go camping. I've been wanting to go camping this whole summer one time, just once before before the weather changes completely. And so I figured this was my opportunity because on the way back, there's all this forest and all these mountains in between. Um, And so find a spot and just stop there for the night. Um, and I had no idea, like I found this really pretty lake on Google maps and I was like, okay, that looks cool. And I checked out, I researched it a little bit and I saw that there were some camping spots and sure enough, when I got there, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the same place that I camped for that podcast. (laughs) And I had no idea. I completely forgot the name of the lake, the name of the forest. And so I was literally camping within like, I don't even, I don't know where, where exactly we camped last time, but it must've been a few hundred yards or something like certainly within, you know, a easy driving distance of where I was. Um, and I very well thought, cause this was three nights ago. I was like, you know what? I should just stay here. I should just stay here for the next recording of our manliness podcast. Um, and maybe if I had a signal, you guys, maybe I would have just stayed out there for three extra nights and then 
phoned it in from the wilderness to talk mm. with you guys here today, but alas, did not have a signal whatsoever. Mm. And so I'm back in the cushy confines of my, of my apartment as, uh, yeah, as the cool of fall has suddenly come upon us. Um, but I just thought that was a freaky coincidence that I was, you know, camping in the same location as we talk about the same topic um, of manliness. Um, and so what I put out to our yobbers, our, our patrons from, from Patreon, I put it out to the Facebook group. You know, what does what does this word even mean to you, this, this word manliness? What emotions does it evoke? Um, is it something that you feel positive things for, negative things for? Do you just feel neutral about it? Um, and then what are some of just your memories that are attached to the word? Like when have you felt the most manly, the least manly, et cetera. And so I figured we would spend a good bulk of this time just kind of talking about that, talking about the word, the connotations that it means to us. Um, and then any stories, like some silly stories and some, some maybe deeper stories that go with that as well. So let me ask you guys first, what do you feel? What's like your first guttural reaction to that word manliness do you like it do you hate it do you want more of it do you want nothing to do with it is it just another word like liars what do you feel when you when you hear that word it feels like the cheap shallow version of masculine like Ah. i i'm more uh more intrigued and, and enthralled by masculinity versus manliness yeah it doesn't really bring up positive thoughts or feelings. I think that if there was going to be like any of the parts of this community or um, yeah, that I might feel the most out of place, it's probably in the topic of manliness or masculinity. Because as I've shared in the past, it's just not been something that I've personally wrestled with in terms of like, I don't, I don't feel like a man or I don't feel like I, f- I fit um, the kind of man that I should be. And so it, um, it's like, that's, that's one piece, but I also feel like it's a topic and it's a conversation that I often hear done really poorly. And so in that sense, I'm actually really excited for us to talk about it in the, in the hopes that maybe this, this can be a, uh, a more edifying uh, conversation than how this is um, often brought up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to circle back to what Ryan was saying, that it almost feels, I don't know that I would use the word a shallow um, form of masculinity or or version of masculinity, but there's something in me, because there is something in me that wants manliness for sure, and kind of, but it is, it is, it doesn't feel as deep, I guess, or as rooted as, as that word masculinity, but I still want manliness. Like even just using the camping example, like, like the idea of going to the bathroom in the woods, like digging my own hole, which I had to do for seven months when I worked in the woods. Um, like we would have to dig our mm. own holes to go number two. And when you go pee in the woods and you're sleeping under the stars and you're cooking your own food over the fire, like that doesn't necessarily feel masculine to me. It feels, but it feels manly. It feels mm. like, I don't know, it, it's a different connotation. It's a different, it's a different emotion than the word masculinity would evoke. Um, and it's something I want more of for sure. I want more of those experiences and more of those um, those happy feelings that I get when I'm out in nature because that is something that I want to chase till the so, day that I die, for sure. Tom, the first the first thing that comes that comes to mind that I want to just push push back a tiny bit on that is that when 
when you have women who also love to camp and who are out in the woods doing those exact same things, what is it that they're feeling? Because I don't think they're enjoying manliness. They're feeling womanly. They can feel womanly doing that. And then I can feel manly doing that as well. But why is it that I've never heard, I've, I've yet to hear a woman say that doing those things make them feel womanly? Maybe you need to. Maybe you need to ask them. Yeah. I don't know. That is, that is completely fair. Yeah. Wow, we just jumped right into like. Sorry, I know. I couldn't. <laughs> Jacob, this is the lighthearted portion of the show. That was the first thing. Jacob, I don't do light. Jacob, I don't do lighthearted well. <laughs> just so of course, women can, can go really camping. Just... I'm not here saying well, women no, can't no, go no. camping I, and I, be womanly. And I'm and no, 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 and and I don't think at at all that you don't think that that women can or or do these things. But that happens to be like. Or I'm sure that we, we will talk about this more, but like one of the biggest issues and concerns that I have when we have these conversations about things that feel manly or feel like these are like men's things, um, they're very, very, very rarely ever exclusively things for men or things done and enjoyed and loved by men, which makes me think then like, why don't I hear women also talking about like these these things making them feel womanly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. But for me, I'm just speaking for me. I feel manly when I go out into the woods and it's just me and nature. And I don't care what women do and how they describe it for themselves or if they do or they don't. But for me, Thomas Mark Zuniga, host of your other brother's <laughs> podcast, um, I just, yeah, I feel incredibly manly when I'm camping and hiking and just otherwise being in nature. So, so there's that. Um, moving on, because I can tell this is a contentious topic for Jacob. Um, we're going to move on to something more convivial. I, I just want to know, yeah, so we've kind of talked about our, our feelings about the word. Um, and so feel, call it masculine, call it manly. Um, we're not going to nitpick too much over, over the word per se. Um, but I kind of wanted to get some, some surfacey examples, and then we're obviously going to go much deeper beneath the surface very soon. But some surfacey examples of some times where you have felt but either the most or the least masculine, the most or the least manly. And I'll open it up with a Yabber's comment because this, was per- this is the exact kind of answer that I want. Um, so hopefully y'all have something already planned of this accord. Um, but one of our Yabbers said this. He said, I feel particularly manly when someone asks me to pop the lid off a jar for them and I feel even more manly <laughs> when I succeed. And I was like, yes, that is the perfect example of what I want. Because I will answer similarly, when I was living at my parents' house, my mom, bless her heart, she, you know, she's a very strong woman. She's, you know, she immigrated here from Poland and she's overcome all kinds of obstacles like language. And she became a citizen just last year. Um, And so there's, you know, she's an incredibly strong, fierce woman. But you throw a cockroach into the bathroom and she will melt in terror over this thing. And I just remember being, you know, a teenager growing up and feeling like such a man when she would ask me to go and kill the three-headed beast in the bathroom for her. And I would get mm-hmm. rid of it. And I I just felt like such a man. And I feel like I've always been the de facto cockroach spider killer um, wherever I've lived. And so I take great pride in in looking it in the eye and squishing it with whatever object is at my disposal. So, so that's when I feel the most manly in the surfacey, most surfacey of ways. 
of course. So I'm curious if y'all have any examples of, <laughs> of when you have also felt um, incredibly manly. Um, I remember one time I was helping some friends move and, you know, there was some heavy furniture to move and there weren't many other guys there, but one of the other guys there was my friend, John, who played basketball in high school and, not high school, in college. And, um, and like, he wasn't like a huge person, but still like, I thought of him as very like athletic and manly, although like you know, this is several years after college for him. And so it's not, it's not like he's, I, I don't know. It's, it's not like he's a current ba- college basketball player when he says this, but, um, but like, there's something heavy to lift and he's like, Ryan, you're the muscle around here. <laughs> um, why don't you get that? And it was it like made my, my week made my month, yeah. maybe even made my year. Cause I had been like working out and lifting weights and then suddenly like, Oh, John thinks, uh, John thinks I can handle this better than he can. But yeah, just to feel like John, uh, John thought I could and should handle this piece of furniture, um, that he thought I could and should exert, uh, exert my strength in that place. Yeah. I, that's, that's huge. That's a huge, that's, it's surfacey, but it's kind of deep. Actually, the more, the more I think about it from my own perspective of like other men, saying that I'm strong, like from a physical standpoint, knowing that, you know, they know that I've worked out or in the past, I did this particular exercise program that Jacob loves when we talk about, um, (laughs) like I, yeah, there, there have been multiple people who have commented on kind of my, my new, my new body, my new, my new Mm -hmm. skills, my new whatever. And so, uh, that's a huge, that's a huge one to feel affirmed. And now and now that I think about it, it's less, it's less about like, Hey, you can lift this and in the statement, you're the muscle around here. Like it's an identity, like an ongoing persistent, like I see you as strong and mm. muscular and, yeah. and you can lift things. Yeah. Yeah. That's so huge. Capable of opening pickle jars and so much more. Mm. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, this is, this is a tough one because I've had a really, really hard time thinking of, of anything. Um, the only thing that came to to mind is that when I was in college, my my last semester, um, I took a, a fitness class called functional fitness, which um, was is actually very. I know this is gonna this is gonna shock you both. It's actually very CrossFit esque. <laughs> so oh my gosh! I do I do, uh, I do kind of feel as though the there was yeah there was for sure a period of my time when I dipped my toes in in into that poisonous was there water. A giant tire <laughs> um, to flip. There there was not. So what about it didn't, ropes it didn't dangling quite cross, from the ceiling? Didn't quite cross the line. Uh, no, it didn't have any ropes mm, either. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so um, after that class was done, I was I was I was easily in the best shape that, that I've ever been in. Um, and as a part of our like, um, homework, uh, kind of, we, 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 we had to work out, out, outside of class. And so I actually, um, took some friends from the dorm that I, um, lived in and I would actually lead them in, uh, workouts that we would do for the the class and um they all couldn't like they uh couldn't finish and just because i had worked so so hard and uh practiced and trained i was i was able to to uh uh do things and, and 
finish things that um, that they just weren't able to. And that's when it when it comes to like physical strength or most physical things, that's not really happened in in my life. So I would I would say that I uh, felt manly when I could do mm. all all these things that these nice. Other so what you're saying, Jacob, is that your heart longs to be reunited with functional fitness or crossfit or or you know just any other program out there there's a lot of my heart has never and will never long for such destructive things (laughs) well we'll pray about it the end so stay tuned (laughs) i'm glad thank you for being so brave and sharing this this revelation story no i love it um yeah i love that physicality kind of entered into all of our stories that's really great so for me, I remember like the first time I was ever insecure about my masculinity, my manliness, whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe not the first time, but the most significant time I would say was in ninth grade. I took half a semester of weight training at my high school and all of those guys pretty much, I would say 95% of them had already had some form of weight training because they were football players or baseball players and they had access to the gym that I had never had as a lowly cross-country runner. So I just had never had that exposure that they had all had. So this was all new to me, but they'd already had all this practice and they knew where the bars went and the dumbbells and the weights and all of this stuff. And I had, I had no idea. This was all also new. Um, and I remember, this is such a sad memory, you guys. Please affirm me after this is over. But I just remember, and I might have already shared this on the podcast at some point along the way, but I just remember there was one time we were learning power cleans, and I had no idea for the life of me how to get the bar to flip. You know, for those that don't know what it is, you have to like start on the ground and then you have to flip it on your chest or at your shoulders, mm-hmm. basically. And I could not figure out for the life of me how to do that properly. And we were practicing with like dowel rods to start out, which it's one thing when you're actually lifting a heavy bar with weights attached to flip it. But then it's another thing when you're just flipping a little, not even one pound dowel rod and trying to make that mm-hmm. thing flip. Cause it's just a different experience. It doesn't feel like it, it feels very fake. It doesn't feel like this is a real exercise when you're doing it with plastic, like literal plastic. Um, and so everyone was practicing cause that was the big thing was we're all trying to figure out the form first before we use the real weights. And I remember flipping this dowel rod in the most ridiculous convoluted way. Like I was not, fl- my limbs were like going over my head and I don't, my legs were kicking out. I had no idea what I was doing. And I just felt so ashamed. And there was a group of boys over there just I mean, I'm laughing and smiling now, but this was a very wounding memory from my adolescence. Mm. Like they're just pointing and laughing at me from the side of the room because I have no idea how to move my body in the right way to to do this particular exercise, this particular workout. Um, And yeah, I just remember in that moment feeling like I am not a man. Like, who am I? Why am I here? Because clearly they all know what they're doing and I have no idea. So it was a moment of incompetence for me. I just felt like I am incompetent as a man. And, you know, obviously looking back now, I show myself a lot of grace. And eventually, yes, I did figure out what the proper form is for a, for a power clean. But like, man, that was, that was rough back in ninth grade. I was like, what, 14, Mm. 15 years old, something like that. Um, yeah, that was a brutal, brutal memory. Um, and then the other memory, cause I just love to tack on, um, miseries, miseries upon miseries. Um, the other memory that comes out is, is actually one of the more pivotal, um, pivotal moments of my book. The first book that I wrote for those that have read it. Um, I talk about working at a Christian camp as a lifeguard and prior to the summer beginning, we had lifeguard training and for the life of me, 
one of our exercises is we had to dive 15 feet in the middle of the lake. We had to dive 15 feet down and grab a fistful of mud from the bottom to show the lifeguard trainer that we touched the bottom and here's the mud to prove it. And it was such a, like, that's just like such a, a vivid, it feels like such a masculine thing to like dive down to the bottom of the lake, grab some mud and come up and show it to the person and, and get that checked <laughs> off. And for the life of me, I could not do it. And prior to that diving, you know, we had just run seven lengths, I think seven or eight lengths of this portion of the length of the lake. And I was so like exhausted, exhausted is like underselling it. Like I was so depleted, honestly. And, um, and then to say, okay, now go dive 15 feet and get some mud and prove your masculinity essentially is what it felt like. And I could not do it. And, and I write about it in the book because it was such a deflating moment of just like, gosh, what am I doing here? Like, I do not fit mm -hmm. in here. Like all the other guys could do it. I was the only one that couldn't do it. And so it just felt so mm -hmm. isolating. Similarly to the power clean thing, like I was the only one that couldn't figure out the proper form. Um, and obviously, you know, as a, as a mid 20 something, the other counselors in training, they were not pointing and laughing at me. It was not like that brutal of a vibe, but, um, but I felt it, I felt mm -hmm. kind of the similar vibe from middle school of, uh, or high school rather of just like, they might as well be like, that's kind of what I imagined is like on the inside, they're like, gosh, why, why can't you just be what you're supposed to be? Why can't you be like us? Why can't you just do what you, do what you're supposed to do? Cause you're a man and you're clearly not living up to what you're, what you're meant to be. So that is, uh, those are two memories that immediately jump out when I think about this question of manliness times that I have felt mm -hmm. like I didn't match up, um, to the guys around me. And it's, it's always a big comparison thing. Um, I don't know if y'all have stories of, of comparison or if you've self-inflicted those standards on yourself, but for me, there was always an audience and, mm -hmm. and I fell far short of what the guys around me were doing and accomplishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, actually the one that came to mind for me is really similar to what you first shared, Tom. This also was when I was a freshman. So, uh, 14, 15-ish. Uh, um, and I, um, I took a year of gym and, um, gym at my high school was, it was, um, it was only required to be in if you weren't in any other, uh, sport. And so it ended up being just kind of a really rough, a group of guys um, just happened to be the ones who also weren't playing uh, sports in in high school. So that was one piece that just wasn't like, it wasn't a group of very um, kind men from the beginning. Um, but then also like when we would um, play uh, basketball or uh, dodgeball or just other other things that, that I, um, wasn't very good at, um, I would be made fun of by the guys who knew that my brother was a, was a good athlete and could like do all kinds of things who would then make comments to me of like, they would be, um, they would be angry that I was on their team and make comments of like, why aren't, why aren't you like Nate? Like we like thought that, that you would be good. Um, and that was really painful. And, um, it's like, it's, that is for sure a time when I didn't, when I felt very inferior. And I think that only because that was being done in a context of only men is probably the reason why I would also connect it in a way to not feeling like one of the guys, because I wasn't good at this, at whatever it was. And I was being compared to my brother who was, and so I wasn't, um, living up to the, the family name. 
Yeah, I would say sports in general. Uh, well, athletics and sports in general are definitely resonating with me. And, you know, I didn't play sports either uh, growing up. And so, and, and also my dad or my parents weren't ever into watching sports. And so I grew up like, I don't, I don't, I barely know the rules to like basketball or football or baseball, I guess. Um, and, and so like, I don't feel like I can even like participate in those kind of male spaces of watching sports and, and enjoying sports. And I don't know the players. I don't know the teams. I don't know the rules. I don't know the dramas. I don't know the narratives, you know, like I just, I just don't connect with all that. And so that's uh, some of the, some of the times when I feel the most sort of uh, outside of male or manly kind of spaces um, is realizing that like, this is a language that I don't, I don't know, and I'm not going to learn. Um, and kind of that, that lack of even will of like, I just don't, I'm just don't care enough to figure out football. Like that even makes me feel a little more alienated of like, like, I just don't even have the will to, to break into that space. Um, and I was thinking of a specific, um, a specific story that is, uh, a lot like y'all stories in a way, um, but kind of different where the, uh, the, the college ministry I was a part of, uh, in college was pretty big. Um, and one of the, one of the people on staff, one of the men on staff was kind of super into this, like, you know, uh, biblical masculinity, I guess, but I don't think he ever claimed it was biblical. He just, which, which would be good because it wasn't super (laughs) biblical. Um, but he was just into like, well, let's get these guys to, you know, actually be assertive and manly and, and stuff like that. And, um, and so he would organize once a year, this like secret, like fight night, and it was honestly kind of like a fight club kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it was a boxing night. It was officially it was boxing. And I think they wore gloves and everything and, and maybe some headgear, but, um, but it was like secret. Like you couldn't, you didn't know, like they didn't publicize it at all. You had to know someone who would invite you and tell you the address and the time and the, and everything. Um, and then they'd like get together and this is only once a year and they'd have like this like boxing night and they'd just like box. Um, no one invited me. Uh, and, uh, and I think like that, that hurt the more and more I thought about it. Like this is a pain that just like didn't catch up to me till like, I don't know, we're talking about like 2008 maybe. And this didn't catch up to me till like 2015, maybe like I, suddenly realized, wait, I am carrying around this like wound of, I wouldn't have enjoyed going, I don't think, but also like not being invited hurt a lot. Um, Sure. I'm sure like lots of people weren't invited, right? Like it wasn't just me. There was like no one, I'm sure no one had the conscious thought process of, oh, Ryan's not manly enough to come. But, uh, but I certainly wasn't kind of like in that in that loop of like, oh, you know who we need to get here? Ryan Berger, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Was it a, um, if you were invited, you had to participate kind of thing? Like if you go, you're also boxing? Or I'm sure, yeah, I'm that sure work? that was that was part of it. Like, 
like I can't imagine they would say like it's it would be very like on brand for this guy and this kind of thing that that he would do for for it to be like well if you show up you have to participate yeah uh, mm-hmm. because we're trying to get you out of your comfort zone and trying to get you you know to to grow in assertiveness and yeah whatever boxing yeah. to me is so I have this like such a polarizing reaction because there's so much of me that that is terrifying the the idea of putting on gloves. And one of those little helmet things with like the things that go over your cheeks, jawbones or whatever. And then just mm-hmm. like hitting another human, like that to me sounds so barbaric and crazy. But then there is this spark of something inside of me that gets really excited about it. And it's like, wow, but wait a minute. That would be, it'd be so fun to hit somebody for fun. You know, like I, I've never experienced yeah. that. I've never done that. So I have, I have a polarizing reaction to that story. And then I feel for you, of course, Ryan, for being, um, on the emotional side of being like cut out of that and isolated from that experience mm-hmm. altogether. So I feel, I feel all sorts of things from that, from that story. Thank you for, for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Jacob, would you ever box me <laughs> or Ryan too, for that matter? <laughs> we should all box each other. Uh, no, I have, uh, no desire to ever oh. do that. Um, well, I think so. The only time that I would actually want to would be if I was legitimately angry at you and like actually wanted to inflict pain. That's not the point. And then it's just <laughs> not a healthy outlet. Exactly. So <laughs> I, would, I would say no because exactly. So no. But um, speaking of things that are kind of like that, that I'm, I would be curious to hear if this would be something that either of you would enjoy. The the men's ministry at my college every year would um, bring in an old junky car and then the men would would all gather around and take turns hitting it with like big hammers and things. Um, is that something that sparks any kind of like, yeah, I would love just to like take a sledgehammer to a car window? I I would do it on the basis of like curiosity, but it doesn't like appeal to me viscerally or emotionally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would want to do it just if everyone else is doing it, I don't feel any shame or insecurity about also being a man with mm-hmm. a big hammer and hits things like as yeah. gruesome or over the top as that is. Um, mm-hmm. But plus there is like a physical out. I'm learning a lot about just like, the importance for me as a four who gets trapped in my body and trapped in my emotions and my cesspool of feelings that I need to connect with my body more. And so something like swinging a sledgehammer into a car could mm-hmm. be very healthy for me, actually, if I'm in a particularly sure. emotional season, especially. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 sign me up. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, y'all, let's keep the conversation rolling because now I want to know... I'm glad we got all the negative stuff out of the way, right? So now we can just talk about positive, affirming things. Um, when are some times that you felt particularly at your at your peak, peak masculinity, peak manliness, um, however you want to define that, whatever memories jump out to you? Um, and to get the to get things started again, I want to kick it back to our yobbers who provided a lot of great vulnerable stories. Thank you guys for for commenting in our thread this week in the group. Um, so we had a couple stories. The one I'm going to read now, which actually connects directly to mine. Um, there was one guy who said this. Um, he said, I was recently talking with my sister about a, toxic situ- about a toxic situation she was in a few years ago. During our conversation, I felt this overwhelming, fiery desire to protect her, as in I'd kick down doors and wring some necks, you name it, if it meant keeping her safe. 
I'm not sure my physical stature would grant me much success in such an endeavor, LOL. But I felt pr pretty manly as I let her know that I would and still do have her back no matter what. And I resonate that with that so deeply. Even I was actually just recently with my sister and it's kind of ironic that this comment came up because actually the story came up of um, when I was with my family over the weekend, this was pre pre uh, camping that I went on on my solo adventure this weekend. I was with my family and the story came up of when me and my sister were little and I'm a year older than her. And we would get on the school bus because we went to a Christian school where we lived in eastern Pennsylvania. But in order to get there, we had to take the public school bus system in the district to get to we had to like transfer buses multiple times to get to our Christian school. It was a whole ordeal. It would take us forever to get to the school because we had to transfer buses sometimes two or three times um, to get to school. And I just remember being like I have this such distinct memory of being seven years old, eight years old, nine years old and grabbing my sister by the hand and sitting on the bus and making sure we were sitting next to each other. Or if we were separated by a few rows, my eyes would be glued on her the whole time and make sure nobody was bothering her. And make sure, you know, because we, we were on this packed school bus with all these all these extremely rowdy public school kids. Like, can you believe they're so unkempt? Um, and so it was really, it was just like a fond memory of when I was a kid of protecting my little sister and making sure that she was okay um, as we got to our, eventually, like we would change buses. And so I'd make sure we, you know, traveled together and got to the right bus at the stop and and got to our school eventually. And um and yeah, I just, I just like gladly took, no one taught me that. Like I was just being an older brother, taking care of my little sister to get to where we needed to mm -hmm. go. And so I resonate with that strongly. When someone, when an older brother talked about, I don't know if they're older or younger, but regardless, a brother and a sister relationship, I feel that so strongly for, for mm -hmm. her, um, as a, as a moment of just feeling incredibly call it masculine manly. Like, is it possible to feel manly as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old? I don't know, but that's, that's something that I just take great pride in. Um, when I was growing up as something that just tapped into something in me that I just wanted to protect this little, this little human that was my sister. Mm -hmm. Do either of you guys have any manly, proud manly moments? Yeah. I don't know. This would, um, fall under the category of a proud moment. It's a bit, uh, different in that, um, I have had, um, female friends who have in the past um, have opened up and shared uh, stories with, with me of uh, sexual assault um, and um, have then shared with, with me that in a small way that I have been able to, 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 um, rebuild um some of that uh, uh 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 trust in men that was lost because of having to experience that um and as being um seen yeah as as someone who makes them feel uh uh safe and um protected and knowing that i have no ulterior uh, motives in wanting to be close to them and wanting to love them well. I'm, I'm not trying to get anything f uh, from them or, or out of them. Um, and I think those have, yeah, those have for sure been um, incredibly profound moments of feeling like even in, in little ways that I have, um, that I can do 
my part to um, sort of re redeem the idea of masculinity for uh, someone who has been so, so hurt and so betrayed by a man. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That's really cool that you can play that role in those women's lives. That's really great. I think for me, I don't really like, I don't know, these days I don't feel like I look at my life and the things I do very often through this lens of like manliness versus not manliness. Um, but probably like the times when I feel as manly as I kind of do these days is uh, in like owning and maintaining a house, like doing kind of like house house maintenance projects. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I have no idea what's going on in football, but, you know, I can like patch some drywall <laughs> and I can um, like do some basic plumbing and uh, like I can take care of the space around me. And I think that's been important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ryan, as someone who has been to your dwelling place many times now, I definitely affirm your manliness of just having a beautiful, well-kept home. Like it is, is a really great home. I feel quite at home when I'm there. And to have Thank for you, you to have all of those skills, like I wouldn't know where to even begin with half the things you've done with like plumbing and wiring and breaking down walls and painting and stuff that I've never even attempted. So kudos to you. Mm. Um, because we're all single guys, you guys, um, I feel like the married perspective is missing. And so I really enjoyed this um, this perspective from one of our married yobbers. Um, and he said this, getting married helped me feel more manly and having our first child increased those feelings exponentially. Taking my son fishing, walking my daughters down the aisle, holding our first grandbaby and successfully retiring were highlights of my manhood. Growing in Christ through the years matured me too. I'm still broken sexually in some ways, but God is redeeming that too, so that I can encourage men in their struggle. And I found that really beautiful. He's not saying that you have to get married to, you know, experience full manliness, anything like that. But but I do appreciate that perspective of someone who, um, you know, experiences homosexuality and and got married to a woman, had kids, um, had a successful career, retired from it. Like um, that's just super encouraging to hear that perspective too of someone further down the road who has had experiences that I've not yet had. Um, and I thought about that a lot about like, maybe I won't ever have kids. Maybe I will, who knows what a plot twist that would be. But, um, um, but that notion of creating, like I couldn't escape that thought of like, you know, there's something inherently masculine I feel about creating. Um, you can make connotations with reproduction and biology. Sure. But, um, but for me, like, Something as simple, not as simple, because Yab has not been simple. I was going to say something as simple as Yab, but creating Yab with, you know, fellow brothers, um, creating something out of nothing, creating a community out of a blog and creating a podcast out of a community and creating retreats out of a secret Facebook group, like all of this, like creation upon creation upon creation, like, like, yeah, I look back on the last five years of your other brothers and, and there is like a swelling manliness that kind of comes over me as I was pondering this podcast today. Um, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for everyone that's been a part of Yab. Like in many ways, Jacob and Ryan, you are my children because you were birthed out of this thing <laughs> that I created with my friends, but you're also my brothers. I don't want yeah. this to sound creepy or yeah. weird, but, but y'all, <laughs> hopefully you're getting what I'm saying here is like, um, you know, yeah, helping, helping create this thing that didn't used to exist and now it does. And, and, um, and even just the other day, like, you know, we have this Facebook group and there's a group of moderators who help me co-lead the group. 
And just the other day, like they had their own little Zoom call where they were talking about something and they and they were, you know, men that I just love and adore. I've met all of them and respect all of them. And and they're able to have this like le leaders meeting without me and they included me, but I just wasn't able to make it. But, but they were able to just do this thing where they're talking to each other about how do we make Yab a better community, a stronger community and, and, and do something, you know, even better than what's been done before. So like, I just have a lot of pride on that of, um, of helping create this thing mm -hmm. and, and, and to, to see so many people contributing to this effort, cause it's definitely not, um, a solo effort by any means. And so, um, I definitely wanted to give a shout out to, yeah, just everyone who's involved with Yab, whether you're on the podcast with me presently, whether you're involved in the Facebook group, um, whether you write for Yab, um, and so many other ways too. I mean, people are getting involved in so many ways in this, in this, in this community. And so, um, all of it contributes to my, my sense of masculinity and manliness. And so I'm really, really grateful for Yab for the last five years for sure. Well, you guys, we couldn't escape this conversation without diving into a book that we dived into for actually quite a bit last time. We didn't, we're not going to cover it to the near extent that we did the first time we did this episode. But there's a little book floating around. Some of y'all may have heard of it. Some of y'all may have read it. Some of y'all may have loved it. And some of y'all may have loathed it. Um, and it's a little book by John Eldridge called Wild at Heart. Um, which, so again, today, fun fun times of pondering reproduction and Yab and how Jacob and Ryan are my <laughs> children. And there's just so many thoughts that I was pondering today, as well as Wild at Heart, because I read this book in 2012. And upon looking at my Goodreads profile, which is hardly ever used, but it does get used here and there, um, I went through the, the archives of my Goodreads profile and saw that on February 9th, 2012, one Thomas Mark Zuniga rated... Wild at Heart by John Eldridge, four stars out of five. So wow, there's okay. that. Mm. And I haven't read it in eight years, and I would actually be curious to read. Maybe this will make it onto the Yab Book Club. Oh, my gosh, that's a great idea. Chalk, <laughs> chalk that away. Um, let me, okay, okay, okay. Because I actually don't even know what y'all's opinion. I mean, I have an idea of what y'all's opinions of this book are. <laughs> But we've never talked about Wild at Heart, as far as I know. So we're going to figure that out real soon. Mm -hmm. um, let me read. Okay, I'm going to do a couple of exercises. Let me read the description on Goodreads. I don't know if this is on the Amazon page or where this comes from, but it's like a description of the book. Um, this is what it says. This might be one of the blurbs that are like on the back cover of, of books. You know, I think that's probably what this is. Um, but it says this. God designed men to be dangerous, says John Eldridge. Simply look at the dreams and desires written in the heart of every boy, to be a hero, to be a warrior, to live a life of adventure and risk. Sadly, most men abandon those dreams and desires, aided by a Christianity that feels like nothing more than pressure to be a nice guy. It is no wonder that many men avoid church, and those who go are often passive and bored to death. In this provocative book, Eldridge gives women a look inside the true heart of a man and gives men permission to be what God designed them to be, dangerous, passionate, alive and free. So that's a description of Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. I'm sure many of our listeners have read this book. Um, and I was tickled because this is the last thing I'm going to say, because I'm going to toss it over to you guys. I was tickled by some of the one star reviews because I scrolled down. And I just couldn't help myself. I was like, I know, <laughs> I just know there's going to be some gold in, in these here reviews. Um, I'm just reading like the first lines of several one star reviews. Um, one person said, I hate this book so much. <laughs> Another person said, words cannot describe the loathing I have for this book. Someone else said, let me start by saying, bless John Eldridge's heart. Bless it. 
And then someone else said, <laughs> last one, we keep this book in the bathroom so that if we ever run out of toilet paper, we have something to wipe our <laughs> expletives with. I will not say the word that he used because he used the real word. Oh, um, so there's that. There's, there's This is a polarizing book in, um, shall we say, yeah, SSA, side B circles. Um, some people do not like this book. And I will say, last thing I'll say is I I could go either way. I, I'll, I'll say that. I could go either way. I see the merits of it. I also see the pitfalls of it. Because um, I have some other things I can read. But I want to talk, Jacob, you've been the most vocal so far, or at least the most visible on my screen as far as having reactions to this book. So tell me, what is your reaction to this book? What's your problem with John sure. Eldridge? Yeah. Yeah. So um, all of those reviews that you just read, I wrote them all. Um, no. Uh, so yeah, I, I want to... Uh, preface what I'm going to say by saying that I have not actually read the entire book. And so I think that if you are going to give as passionate a review as I want to give, you really do need to have read all of all of the books. So I, yes, I want to say, say that first and like know that um, you should take everything that I say with a, a grain of salt. I passionately dislike this book. Um, I... I know that there are, there are things in it um, that I have read that that I think are good and true and helpful, but I don't think that that is um, that it is worth it for all the things that I see in it that are I find to be really um, uh, really unhelpful and hurtful and may I say dangerous that I just, but just, you're a man, yeah, really you should be drawn to good. danger. I'm so confused. <laughs> I think that what, yeah, what, like, so, um, as, as you read, um, and what is, what is also in, in, in the book where he, where he says that, um, that in, in the heart of every man is a, a desperate des- desire for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. And I just find it to be really, I think you have to be really careful when you say anything about this is true for all men, and this is in the heart of every man. That is a kind of uh, claim that I don't, I just very, very rarely should ever, ever be made. It's funny that you mentioned a beauty to rescue because I never said anything about a beauty to rescue. That was not in the description that I just read. But it's funny that you brought it up because I was going to bring it up because um, I scanned <laughs> the quotes of the book because I was looking for some of my favorite quotes and and other quotes, memorable quotes from the book. Um, and a couple stood out and it focused on this whole like damsel in distress and we're like the knight in shining armor and yeah. we need to save her. Because um, I think that's what a lot of people have a problem with in this book in our, in our world, in our community. Um, Cause there's some quotes, like I'll rattle off a couple. Um, he said, I wasn't mean. I wasn't evil. I was nice. And let me tell you, a hesitant man is the last thing in the world a woman needs. She needs a lover and a warrior, not a really nice guy, which I'm like, but, but I'm really nice. She would love me, but also <laughs> I'm not, I don't want a woman. And is that okay? So there is that dilemma that I will, I will yeah. credit. Like, okay. Like I, I see the criticism there from our, from our perspective, people, people in our little mm-hmm. sub world. Um, because yeah, that's then he, there's another quote that says, "Deep in his heart, every man, every man 
longs for a battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. So you actually had the right phrasing. I didn't. I just didn't quote it yet, but you already knew it. It was already like emblazoned in your heart. You like tuck that scripture in your heart. Jake <laughs> has been Jonathan carrying that weight ever since. Uh, ever since he read it, yeah. it also helps that I that I have, oh. that I have printed out in front of me. Scott so. notes, y'all. Yeah. He was ready. I cheated. Um, Ryan, I'm what sorry. is your experience with this text? I don't know that I've ever you know, heard your thoughts. I would be I would be curious. I did read it a long time ago. I would be curious to go back and reread it. Um just to just to find out like what do I think about it these days. And so I would I will defer to, you know, anyone who's read it more recently than I have, which is uh that's a long window. Um mm-hmm. But I will say I I didn't think it was great. I didn't love it. Um, I really strongly disliked parts, and they made me feel sort of uh, alienated from masculinity. Like I didn't have what John Eldridge would envision me having as a man. Um, but I also didn't think it was like this. The I I don't think it really deserves to be the synecdote of like toxic masculinity that it's come to be. Um, like, I think there's like way worse stuff out there. Um, you know, and I think of like the, the kind of Mark Driscoll attitude of like, um, Oof. like, it's just like the John Alder stuff, but minus the like peaceful nature <laughs> aspect. Um, Plus and it's a lot just of like, just a bit angrier. <laughs> a lot yeah. of, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, anger and, and yeah, it's like, I think about, um, like the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control and faithfulness, maybe somewhere in there too. And, um, and like gentleness is one of the fruits of the spirit. And there's this whole like generation of Christian men in positions of leadership saying like, if you're gentle, you're not being a man. Um, Mm -hmm. and no, literally Paul said, that's a fruit of the spirit against such things. There is no law. And so like, that's, literally like going against the Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think, I don't think John Eldridge really fell into that as hard. Um, Like I, like you said, Jacob, I think a lot of that stuff was kind of uh, deleterious in a lot of ways, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was like the, um, I didn't think it was as, as toxic as a lot of the stuff out there. Yeah. I think, and I will say on the, positive side part one part that did kind of like resonate with me was that idea of like some sort of deep uh wildness or fierceness that I wanted to like be connected with and tap into um and I kind of identified that as like my sort of inner masculinity that um that that God put in me and that is actually good to to have and to experience like going camping. I resonate with that from my perspective. Mm-hmm. There's a deep wildness that comes out. Y'all haven't gone camping with me. Y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know what I'm like in the woods. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, there's, okay. So I love that you brought up some someone like Mark Driscoll. I'm sure there are plenty of our listeners who love Mark Driscoll. I'm sorry. This is not an attack on Pastor Mark as he likes to be called. But, but it's like, would you rather woo a lady with John Eldridge or get yelled at by Mark Driscoll. I would rather woo a lady with John Eldridge personally, but that's just me. Um, there are things about this book that I do enjoy the kind of, you were starting to tap into it, Ryan, about like 
um, this wildness inside of us. Um, there's a quote that I really like that I did pluck out from my my little Goodreads dive, this little journey I went on today. Um, and it was a quote that said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs are men who have come alive. Um, and that gentleness, kind of what you're talking about, stuff that maybe isn't as um, propped up throughout the book, that's ironically the stuff that's kind of made me come alive. Like starting Yab, creating a, an atmosphere where men can be vulnerable and we, where we can increase mm-hmm. empathy and feel together. Like that's made me come alive in the last few years. And so there's a little bit of a paradox there that maybe it's not like, you know, chopping down trees and building my own house or wooing a lady or, you know, whatever, you know, other adventures he would recommend or prescribe. And maybe I would enjoy some of those things. And maybe I have already enjoyed some of those, some of the things in the book. Um, but yeah, this whole, this whole notion of creating an atmosphere that's, you know, it goes back to Yab, another source of my um, manliness from the last five years for sure is that. Um, but I really like the core of that message of just like finding out what, what are you good at? What are what are your inherent abilities? And mm-hmm. like, what has God blessed you with? And let's amplify those. Let's grow those. Let's really um, make yeah. you come alive because when we make you come alive, then yes, inevitably the world around you is going to come alive too. And that's, there's something just incredibly beautiful about that, um, about that. So I really enjoyed that quote. Um, and to be fair, you guys, there is this quote also from, from the book. And I don't know if it's, Again, it's been eight years since I read it, so I don't know how pronounced this is throughout the entire book. But says John Eldridge, true strength does not come out of bravado. Until we are broken, our life will be self-centered, self-reliant. Our strength will be our own. So as long as you think you are really something in and of yourself, what will you need God for? I don't trust a man who hasn't suffered. I don't let a man close to me who hasn't faced his wound. And so at the very least, Mm -hmm. he is all about getting in touch with your brokenness, your woundedness. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I can get behind. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. And he, um, I think that as you were saying that um, kind of call to action and that um, fight against apathy and um, and I think to like in, invigorate men with uh, passion. Like I think that's like those are all really good things. Um, I don't know if if I would say that like those things should be unique to you speak that just to men, which I think that a book like this, even it sort of implies that like, these is, these are things that are only for men. And these are things that are what women want or what women need, but should not also be seen as pursuits or calls to, to women. And I have a tough, a tough time with, with that. I think that any like, any narrative about this is like, this is what should be a part of a man's life that, um, that at its core has you um, rescuing your uh, uh, damsel, I think is problematic because it makes uh, singleness and the idea of being, of possibly being single for your whole life, it kind of implies that that is an in, an incomplete picture of manhood, which then mm-hmm. to get even more intense sort of implies that the life of Jesus, which didn't have, I guess you could argue that like his um, rescuing of his, his uh, quote, damsel is, is, yeah. is the, 
whole church. So I could, I could see merit there, but um, like it, um, him living a single life and, and not having this romantic pursuit of a woman, if that is such a part of the core of, of, of the heart of every man, then it, it sort of implies an, an incomplete picture of masculinity, which I think is really problematic. Yeah, and he's actually written a book. So he wrote a book called Captivating, which is like the women's version of Wild at Heart. And I've had yes, friends who have told I've me. I've also read I've never read that, but I've actually had friends who have told me, wow, like I love that. Like it resonates so so much more than Wild at Heart. And that's my male friends. And so it's kind of funny that some of the, uh-huh. my male friends have resonated more with Captivating than uh, than Wild at Heart. Um, yeah, and we're not and we're done with this conversation because we we we've got to move on. We've got to end we've got to end the show soon. But um this is a little sneak peek of uh, Yabber's book club. This is a great, I didn't even actually ex- expect that we would talk that long about Wild Heart, but um, for all, yeah, actually I would honestly be really down to re re-examine the book because um, I haven't read it in almost a decade. And so it kind of would be interesting. I don't know how on board our Yabber's would be because that could potentially be contentious, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, I guess to close, thing, close things out, guys, I love looking to scripture. That's kind of obviously a huge cornerstone of our community. Um, as we, you know, navigate all these issues, um, along with our faith is like, you know, what does scripture have to say about, about the subject, about manliness, about whatever. And we joked with the sponsor, you know, even though it's a legitimate sponsor, we still have had fun with our sponsor about, um, King David playing like the liar and dancing around in his underwear and, and hugging and kissing his best friend, Jonathan and, you know, there's someone and he write, writes poetry and, you know, all these quote unquote effeminate question mark things that King David did. And yeah, he also killed bears and lions and tens of thousands and, you know, was a great king and all this stuff. So like, what, what do we make of this? Like, what do we look to in scripture? Is there anything in scripture that you're encouraged by um, when it comes to your sense of masculinity, your, your manliness? Um, is there anything that you guys point to and, and lean on as we close this discussion? Yeah, I think that um, ultimately the example that uh, Christ sets of what it means to be a man of um, he uh, wept over uh, Jerusalem. He mourned his friend's uh, death. He was uh, tender and nurturing. He cooked for his disciples. He washed their feet. He cared compassionately about those who were sick and those who mourned and um, he uses uh, imagery to talk about God that are more um, effeminate and like uses um, this, this, this idea of like um, a mother hen bringing in her uh, chicks and like uses these, um, these uh, pictures that I think, um, uh, give us a more well-rounded and fuller imagination of what the expressions of masculinity can look like, Hmm. which I find really encouraging. Great. And, and to, and to sort of, uh, tag along with that like that that's kind of what came to mind first is that no one no one can ask me to be like 
more macho than Jesus mm-hmm. was, right? right? Like no one can can put that on me. And um, and it's like, and true true to form, Jesus comes and he brings a, a liberating reality. He brings this liberating reality of like, I don't have to be super athletic, super good at sports. I don't have to be wealthy. I don't have to be, um, you know, I don't have to be married. Uh, I don't have to produce children in order to, um, in order to be, in order to fulfill his vision for my life. Um, because Jesus, you know, wasn't, uh, he, 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 he didn't fit into kind of, even within his culture, didn't fit into the, the kind of cultural norms of masculinity. I don't, I don't think. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, I think the biblical reality here is actually liberating. Um, and I think it's just helpful to remember that, like you were talking about David with, um, you know, he kind of had a lot of different kind of cultural markers of masculinity and, and what we would say, like what our culture would say are less masculine or effeminate things going on. And at the end of the day, like so much of what we talk about with manliness and masculinity or, or femininity are so culturally bound that, um, that like when we talk about biblical masculinity, like, well, you know, if we, if we tease out all of the cultural things that just kind of don't even matter and I don't, I'm not going to, you can't make me care about what American culture says about masculinity. Um, like all we have left are like the beautiful examples that we have, um, in Jesus and people like, you know, in, in some ways people like David, um, and so, yeah, I think that's just kind of like what I come away with is that um, it's so easy for our, our perspectives, for our expectations to be bent and warped by our culture um, that we do have to, well, we do, but, but it makes me thankful for this, uh, this vision that we get in the Bible that's sort of like coming from outside of all that, that kind of helps me, helps keep me grounded and helps keep me um, helps, yeah, helps keep my perspective, uh, focus beyond, uh, beyond this current time and place into something sort of more rooted and ancient and, um, and spiritual and real. You know, looking back on high school, middle school, and even elementary school, I can't remember a single time ever being picked last. Granted, I can't remember a time I was ever picked first either, but it always seemed to be third to last or fourth to last. I was never the most overweight or the most unathletic or the most awkward out on the field or on the court, but I wasn't anything special either. I certainly didn't feel manly out on the field with with all of these bona fide athletes in my midst. Out on the football field, I may as well have been out with the sheep, like an unsuspecting shepherd boy from generations past. In 1 Samuel 16, Samuel goes to the town of Bethlehem to seek out Jesse and his sons, to seek out a new king for Israel. And it's a classic story 
of what God can do and does with the least suspecting, the least predictable, the one who doesn't necessarily fit the masculine mold, the masculine ideal, certainly not in the immediate vicinity. Call it the most manly or the most masculine, but ultimately what the Lord is after is the most humble, the ones who are most after his heart above all else. In verse five, the text reads, and he, Samuel, consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And so, my brothers, big and small, short and tall, the average and seemingly unremarkable, beauties, flaws, and all, you have an outside and you have an inside, and you have a purpose, all of you, top to bottom, inside out, here, now. You are chosen for this moment to bring more of heaven to earth in ways that only you can do through Christ. And so may you discover and learn and practice more and more that which makes you come alive, your strengths and your passions, your abilities, athletic, academic, musical, interrelational, your vocation and your ministry come alive because in so doing this world around you will also breed new life more of a passion for Christ more of a passion for others passions and pursuits unlike anything this world has known or seen well fellow manly men uh, we Talked a lot about personal stories, but we didn't get to my personal favorite topics that I really wanted to talk about, which are things like essentialism, phenomenology, and you know how do we know what's cultural and what's not, and what's uh, what's inborn and what's not. So I think we need an episode two to tackle all that. Sounds great, honestly. And we didn't even get to talk about Home Improvement, my favorite show growing up with Tim the Toolman Taylor and mm. all the grunting. Oh, yeah. He's like the epitome of a manly <laughs> man. Oh, we could have riffed on that for a long time. There's like, yeah, mm. there's some so many aspects of this. Yeah, there's media representation. There's like biblical masculinity. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's our churches. There's, there's a lot. Yeah, there's 
There's like so toxic masculinity and the patriarchy, hmm. uh, gender roles, gender comp- roles. Uh-huh. complementarity. Uh-huh. So much, you guys. This is an endless well of discussion, but this was just this. We got to start somewhere. So I'm glad we finally started or rather restarted this this discussion. So I look forward to diving into the manly well with y'all, but not 15 feet deep because we all mm-hmm. know I can't dive that far. but i want to hear what you guys have to say thanks to all of our yabbers for your stories um if you are a yabber if you're not a yabber would love to hear your response to this episode um go over to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast find the episode 66 post on manliness and share us some manly stories or times where you haven't felt as manly and this can be as deep or as surfacey as you would like it to be but um you know, we tried to cover the gamut today in the time that we were given. So yeah, I'd love to hear just some stories of just like, yeah, what are some, what are some feelings and memories that uh, are evoked by this word, this topic of manliness? Would love to get more stories in the mix. And as always, please, if you feel so inclined and you want to share your story vocally, you can call our Yab line anytime at 706-389-8009. Program us in your phone, into your speed dial, and please call us because we love to hear your voice. And thanks to Liars for providing the soundtrack for this episode by making this episode possible. Liars. That was that was awful, that guys. I'm so sorry. Honestly. It, yeah, no, that was yeah, that was achy. Liars, please forgive us for that horrible representation of <laughs> who you are and what you mean to this community, to this world. Um yeah, we're grateful for you. And uh, y'all did get a snippet of our, what our Yabber's book club could sound like, could be like, um, possibly. Mm-hmm. Who knows? So uh, if that interests you at all, please go to patreon.com slash the bros. There's still plenty of time as of this recording to jump in on this brand new endeavor. Um, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be really cool. The Velvet Rage. Order it today. Anyway, that's going to do it for our manliness discussion. Thank you guys for partaking with me, for jumping into these manly waters with me. Um, For all your other brothers, my name is Tom. This is Ryan. And this is Jacob. Reminding you, ever and always, that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. Theme music is Fear Is Not My Lover by Nathan Rousseau. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at yourotherbrothers P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community-building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks, like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.